welcome. My name is the Alpha Female, and you're listening to Turnbuckle Talk. Whoa! G'day, manis. Bushwhacker, Luke here. 2015 Hall of Famer. And you're listening to Turnbuckle Talk. Yeah! Whoa! This is pro wrestling's only modern-day Viking gunner, and you're on Turnbuckle Talk. Hey, this is Nick Magnus Tolders, and you're listening to Turnbuckle Talk. Hi, this is Leva Blue Pants Bates, and you are listening to Turnbuckle Talk. Hey, this is Jeff Jarrett, the king of the mountain and founder of Global Force Wrestling. And you're listening to Turnbuckle Talk. Hey, f- <laughs> fellas, uh, you guys have a great day. And, and this is only because I'm talking to Canadians. It is actually spitting snow in Tennessee. See? Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> That's <We're> a great <laughs> we've, we've had 70-degree weather here. For, I mean, we really had a warm December. And I get on the phone with damn Canadians and we're spitting snow. So. From rope to rope. And post to post, we bring you the best in pro wrestling action. My name is Carl Carafel, and welcome to Turnbuckle Talk. To each and every one of you that are over on our local establishment or Turnbuckle Studios Twitch and YouTube page, I thank you for coming by. And joining me on a solo mission for this edition of Turnbuckle Talk. We do have quite a bit to go over today. So we're going to get right into it. But first off, Basser69, thank you so much, my brother, for coming in here. I appreciate you very, very much. One of the people who has been uh, very supportive of our local establishment, and it does not go unnoticed, my friend, so thank you so much. I think uh, you may have some good conversation to have with me here, and as Stream Elements puts up there, this is what we're going to be talking about today, essentially. Uh, We're going to be talking some war games on episode 298 of this show. But I have a few other things to go over before we get to some war games. First thing I want to go over is China. Now, we all know who China is within the world of professional wrestling. We know that she was a powerhouse. We know that she was that enforcer when it came to the faction of D-Generation X. She was the woman that all the women wanted to be like, simply because of the amazing strength and tenacity that she had. Well... I think that we may now have our very own new today's age China within the WWE right now. A modern day China. If you don't know who I'm talking about, let's tell you. We are talking about Rhea Ripley. So I want to go over just a few. Yeah, Basser, you are you are correct, Rhea. Um, I want to go over just a few, a quick few similarities here. So they both have a fearless approach when it comes to working with the men. They've added really a different uh, aspect to the performance when it comes to working inside of the ring with the men. Both of them are very physical when it comes to their work inside of the ring. China has left us, rest her soul. She is no longer with us, uh, which is sad because I think that, that if we were to have gotten fantasy book, a Rhea Ripley versus China matchup, that would be like WrestleMania quality. Both of them have been on the receiving end of beatdowns when it comes to men and women. They're an equal threat. They're an equal threat to any other man on the roster taking on another man. They both are really, they both have been in kind of um, enforcer type of roles, I guess you could maybe say. 
um, you know, China with Degeneration X, and then now Rhea Ripley. Um, very, very similar, and and it's 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 interesting. It's interesting that the Judgment Day would actually have you know like a, a woman come in and 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 kind of be in that role in that starring role. Now, Rhea is a little bit more vocal on the microphone as opposed to China, but I'm okay with that. Both of them visually, physically are similar in the same way. Both of them have worn at different times throughout their careers as well, kind of that, uh, uh, that black leather and uh, spikes and, and, and stuff like that. Both of them very muscular so I don't think that it is a far-fetched idea for us to consider Rhea Ripley to be the modern-day China. This definitely is something that is a buzz right now throughout the entire uh, Twitterverse when it comes to um, the WWE and when it comes to professional wrestling, this is something that had, that I've seen quite a bit lately and I wanted to touch on it simply because I think it definitely deserves that talk. So there it is. I want to hear from all of you, whether you are watching live or whether you were watching this afterwards, I want you to drop your comment there for me and let me know what you think is Rhea Ripley, the new modern day china i believe that she is we're gonna move a little further over i am ceremoniously wearing my bullet club t-shirt for this next topic that i have here ed my buddy how are you so good to see you in here i know that you are a busy man because later on tonight ed fries is joining astrid pizarro once again for taking over tonight which is going to be happening at 10 10 p.m right there on our local establishment's twitch page that's what i have seen anyways so that is the uh, breaking news for today is that Ed and Astrid will be talking once again about all things NXT, and I cannot wait for that. I wear my Bullet Club shirt because I want to talk about this man for a moment. A leader of the Bullet Club. A leader of Judgment Day. We are talking Finn Balor. Regardless of wherever he has been, Finn Balor has proven time and time again that he deserves to be main event and deserves to be spotlight. Without a challenge, he definitely is. His time within New Japan Pro Wrestling was absolutely fantastic and amazing. I mean, going through and really... The, the beginnings of the creation of the Bullet Club coming with Finn Balor being the leader of that faction. That faction is still going on today. And it seems like there is a consistency of leadership that just simply follows Finn Balor no matter where he goes Oftentimes, he is placed into the forefront of groups, whether it is Bullet Club, whether it's, you know, just in different areas with, uh, you know, Bullet, different Bullet Club members, right? Um, the, there was the Balor Club as well that he, he was leading with Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows for a while. And now we're moving over to the Judgment Day where he is there with uh, with Dominic, with Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley, where he is essentially the face of that faction. His ability to elevate not only himself, but his faction members is second to none second to none this man knows exactly what he is doing and how to do it and how to be there to create and keep 
stars because he has done that for himself already. He was a universal champion within the WWE. He has been part of the Bullet Club. He has been with the names of Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Tomatonga, the Young Bucks, Bad Luck Fale, all these different names from these different companies have all been touched, so to speak, metaphorically, by Finn Balor. Now, I, I, I don't know if I can really go as far as saying that without Finn Balor, there'd be no Bullet Club. But I think the longevity of Bullet Club is because of Finn Balor and what he instilled into that faction and into the runnings of that group from the start. His intentions were for, um, you know, him and Bad Luck Fall A just to maybe be like, like bodyguards, right? really you know kind of kind of where he wanted to start with um you know he was the uh reigning iwgp junior heavyweight champion when the group started uh, really gaining some steam went on to win the best of the super juniors tournament and i would be remiss if i didn't mention that by the end of 2013 the Bullet Club was in possession of the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title and the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles. And they also won three of the five annual tournaments that happen within the company. His dominance within New Japan Pro Wrestling really caught the attention of the WWE. Therefore, he was signed. Yeah, you're right, Ed. Yes. Finn Balor started the Bullet Club. And without him, the Bullet Club never gets off the ground. That's that's correct. I do agree with that. Um, could it have been somebody else? I think it possibly could have been someone else. So the instrumental point is that Bullet Club was going to happen no matter what. But I think that Bullet Club is much better off because it was Finn Balor as opposed to anybody else. Absolutely amazing things that Finn has gone on to do. After he signed within the WWE, he became the NXT champion by defeating Kevin Owens. His main roster um, debut was impressive earning a one-on-one -on -one against Seth Rollins at SummerSlam in 2016 for the Universal Championship, for the new Universal Championship, and becoming the inaugural champion. Absolutely insane. Now, Finn Balor, we know that he has kind of been a tweener, I would say, when it comes to his character work. He has always been kind of a tweener. So maybe not a good guy, maybe not a bad guy. He always had that demon side of him as well. But I think we're really now seeing a different Finn Balor in 2022 with this kind of darker side that he's pulling in. Not the demon, but just kind of a darker Finn Balor. And because of this, we have got the Judgment Day. Absolutely great, great things. Natural born leader. A man who can go anywhere, make and keep a name for himself. I am a fan of Finn Balor, and I think I will continue to be a fan of Finn Balor. Especially through everything that has been going on. We talked a little bit about New Japan Pro Wrestling when we were talking about Finn Balor. Now we're going to talk a little bit more New Japan Pro Wrestling and stardom as we crowned 
the inaugural IWGP Women's Champion. And that was Kyrie Sane, or just Kyrie, as she's known now. So something that of interest for me anyways that I kind of wanted to point out with this, and I know that it happened a little while ago. There was this um, insane first time ever show that happened with New Japan Pro Wrestling and Stardom, a historic crossover that happened between these two companies. Amazing. So Kairi Sane actually defeated uh, Mayu Itawani in the main event of the show in order to become the first ever IWGP Women's Champion. But something that a lot of people didn't know is that she revealed that she was injured just four days before the matchup. Now, I've got a very, very special guest here with me today, someone who is making a first appearance on Turnbuckle Talk itself, not someone foreign to me and other works that I have done, and not even a foreign face to all of you either, but I want to bring this person on because they are quite knowledgeable when it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling and even stardom and has done amazing things with this entire crossover that happened. And I want to get some information from this person. And I want to find out if this person even knew that Kyrie Sane was injured. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome my good friend, Melball Collins. How are you doing? What an introduction to live up to. <laughs> I'm doing amazing. How are you doing today, Carl? I am doing absolutely fantastic. So I don't know if you heard any of what I was saying there. Yes. Did you catch yes, any of that? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Working on a sprained ankle over uh, over the weekend. Um, yeah. Um, Andre actually told me about that Um uh, earlier in the morning, I didn't know that she went into um, the whole thing with, with an injury. Um, you wouldn't even know it from how she no. performed. I mean, the match was incredible. We had the privilege of watching it live here. Um, actually, um, Andre, myself, and my good friend Yvonne uh, joined us for her first time ever watching Japanese wrestling ever. Um, so mm -hmm. what a show prefer to come in on hey <laughs> right werewolf on a bike are another one of our good friends thank you for popping in here i appreciate That's you Alex. yes it is i didn't know if he wanted his name actually said so i just uh spoiler alert you put it out there <laughs> you put it out there Kyrie was actually injured four days before the match during a ring practice um she just sprained herself in a flashy fall is what she says uh she says i was told it would take three weeks for a full recovery and i almost gave up because it hurt to walk however with the support of many people i was able to fight through the two battles with my willpower really really thank you very much what can, what, what can you say to that as someone who watches a lot of new japan pro wrestling as somebody who is uh very fond of the joshi style of mm -hmm. women's wrestling for her to go in there and be someone who was injured and just fight through it what do you say i mean that's that's the japanese style that's what they do um the, the women too they, they're they're so mighty Otani, especially her opponent in this I often describe her as a wildless disregard for her own personal safety. That is pretty much what all of these, these women are very much like. And, and again, you couldn't tell that Kyrie was injured in, in any capacity. Um, she performed beautifully and, and for really, really long time. I was getting very late at that point. Point. So I don't remember how long the match went, but it was a very, very long match. Um, I thought it was incredible for the both of them. Just the things that they were pulling off and, and the, the outside things that they were able to do was just as interesting and fun as some of the guys' matches earlier. Um, 
very reminiscent of, of Suzuki Goon, in particular Minoru Suzuki, always taking it to the outside, getting rough out there. Right. But uh, yeah, um, an incredible opportunity. And to main event, the, the New Japan um, show, I mean, that was like a double history maker in, in itself, having both the IWGP yeah. Women's Championship and it main event the show. And what a way to close the show. <laughs> right. Right, main evented and closed it out is amazing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the moment with all the glitter afterwards, that's not something that, you know, I, I had seen in a New Japan ring with, with, with the ladies before ever. It was such an incredible moment to be a part of. Now, we do know that Kyrie Sane will be, or Kyrie will yeah. be defending is she going by Kyrie or just it's Kyrie? Yeah, just Kyrie Saint, just Kyrie. Yeah, okay, yeah. so Kyrie is um, going to be defending mm -hmm. that championship, and not not just specifically at a Stardom event, but she's going to be doing this at Wrestle Kingdom seventeen. Mm -hmm. Which, for those of you that don't know, that's like New Japan's WrestleMania, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? So she's yeah. going to be on point. And in focus on their biggest show of the year mm -hmm. as the IWGP champion. And her opponent, I mean, Tam Nakano, leader of the Cosmic Angels, just because they lip sync their intros and, and come in and tutus and tiaras, doesn't mean you don't take someone like that seriously. I have seen some incredible matches from Tam Nakano in cage matches against her tag partner, Nat Sukhoi. I have seen, um, <laughs> I'm not, you're not stealing me. We've still got time. <laughs> um, yeah, Tom Hopper, she's, she's not, a, she might be a sweet little fairy looking girl posing out there and everything, but you know, don't, right. don't let that fool you. She might look like a space fairy, but she will hit you like Brock Lesnar. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I didn't even know who her opponent was going to be yet. <laughs> yeah yeah i had absolutely no clue any reports that i have read and seen have not told me all they've said is it's not really clear who her opponent is going to be yet but you're the one with the insight into new japan so that's yeah. why i'm glad that you had hopped in here yeah immediately after the match um tom nakano did come down and and um and challenge her um tom nakano okay. was also in the historic uh, crossover show earlier teaming with her tag partner natsupoi and um Tai Chi and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, um, they took on the team of um, Momo Watanabe, um, Starlight Kid, uh, Doki, and El Desperado. Interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Lots of like intergender stuff got on in there. It was, it was sometimes cringe, but very, very awesome <laughs> to see how much the girls could get <laughs> off on the guys. And it's, it's not as though that they, they can't either, right? Like, <sighs> no, no, for all of those that are uh, listening to this in podcast form, we had Alex come in and say, Mel said Brock Lesnar, and I, he just wanted to point out and go ahead and highlight so that it sounded like maybe she likes Brock Lesnar. I can respect how hard he hits people in the face. <laughs> I mean, I think I can do that as much as anybody can. And that and an appropriate comparison when comparing, you know, how hard these girls hit, you know, as I said, there was intergender matches. There was one point where um, Micah was actually, you know, going strike for strike with Hiroshi Tanahashi. Like, right. <laughs> these girls know how to take care of themselves. They might be half their size, but they can still take them. So I want to transition over to something that I already talked about a little bit here, and I want to get your thoughts on this. So we had talked about New Japan Pro Wrestling, and we talked about the Bullet Club. Um, I am a fan of the Bullet Club through and through. Now, the leader, the creator mm -hmm. of the Bullet Club was Finn Balor. Mm -hmm. And I, I, have, I have said that finn balor that the bullet club would have started no matter what didn't it not necessarily had to have been finn balor but i think that the bullet club is better off now mm -hmm. that it was 
Finn Balor, considering everything that he's gone on to do from Bullet Club to Balor Club to Judgment Day, this guy is just a natural born leader. Do you agree with that? 100%. 100%. The guy oozes charisma. He, he, you come out there, sorry, he comes out there and you, it's almost like he radiates this just control. He knows exactly what to say, how to say it, and how to get the reaction that he wants out of the crowd. I would almost say like as educated as Xavier Woods is on the matter. It's almost okay. like he evaluates um, every situation he kind of goes into. Um, he, he's just got that, he's kind of that perfectly well-rounded wrestler in that he's got that natural charisma. He's got that natural in-ring talent. He's handsome. He's jacked. We've already talked about how I don't like the pants though. What don't you like about the pants? No, everybody needs to know on this program. (laughs) Because when you hear he's in the shorts and he does the thing on the ropes, you can't see his penis in pants. You can't see it. He is no longer Finn. Look at me, Dick Balor. He is just (laughs) Finn Balor. Well, at least I I think I've said this. um, I've had this discussion with our friend Cody Defoe before. Um, right. The best heel turn that Finn Balor ever did was putting pants on. I mean, he definitely lost a fan in me. Um, but the biggest face turn that he can ever do. Putting on shorts. Has to go back to shorts. Yep. <laughs> Finn looking Sometimes good. things need to be left to the imagination. And I'm sure that you I have. That's all the imagination I can handle. <laughs> you, I'm sure that there has been enough envisioning that has gone on i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) jesus basser jesus (laughs) i'm i yeah Mm, mm -hmm. yes i agree (laughs) when he's ready to turn face he knows what to do that's probably a one-eyed demon going on right there too (laughs) didn't he have one of those things on his back before I think so. <laughs> I think so. Uh, <laughs> Astrid, do we need to tranquilo? <laughs> grab a fan and kind of start just blowing it that way? Is that what needs to happen right now? Oh. As you heard earlier, check out Astrid as well. Going on 10 10 tonight. Mm-hmm. Yes. her cool her off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Drink of water out of this really cool shaker cup right here. Oh, that shaker cup is really cool. Where did you get that shaker cup? That's funny you ask that, Carl. I actually got this amazing shaker cup at our affiliate Rogue Energy. This is what Andre calls the Mina Shaker Kawa special. I call it the Shaker Kawa, or sorry, the Shirakawa special. Um, this is available at Rogue Energy, and with this guy, it was $17.99 Canadian plus tax, and you got six different uh, flavors, which you got to choose upon your purchase, so you're not getting the random ones that you don't like. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So there is that QR code down there that you can click to take you right over to Rogue Energy or just go to rogueenergy.com while you're there. If you want to save 10% off your entire purchase every single time that you are making a purchase, use that code OLE Pods, pluralized OLE Pods, because there's several podcasts over at our local establishment to make sure ole pods is used for your 10 percent off that's a fantastic that's a deal. wrestling thing too right it it definitely is <laughs> it definitely is there was a guy at one time who used to do that isn't he on AEW now he is mm-hmm. yep Yep, not not doing anything with the 10 anymore. Not, you know, nothing like that. But uh, he's uh, he's doing well for himself over there. I, I can say that. So now we only have a couple of topics to go through here left. 
Now, you know, just as well as I do, that professional wrestling is a performance. It is an art. It is a television show. It is just something. Astrid actually says he is so nice. She met him and he signed her NXT book. That's awesome. Yeah. Jealous. Yeah, me too. I, I've, I've met quite a few people, but uh, that one would have been a very cool one to meet. Astrid, local superstar. Right? Right? <laughs> just like any television program, just like any movie, just like any music that comes out, there are producers that are there. And it's the same thing with professional wrestling, people. I'm not going to bullshit you. I'm pulling the curtain back. These matches are produced. So now we just had a pretty big premium live event from the WWE happen called Survivor Series War Games. And I'm going to go through super quick the producers for each matchup. I know, Mel, that you did catch a little bit of it before you had to go. So hopefully I can get a little insight from you on this as well. Hello, Bobby. Good to see you. <laughs> Bobby and I actually have a, a new episode, season two, episode one of Beats and Beatdowns coming out tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that on the Video Bros YouTube network on Turnbuckle Studios and our local establishment. So now what matches did you get to see on war games i think the last thing i saw was aj styles versus finn Balor. okay yeah that was the last thing i remember kind of seeing because i did see the women's war game match and right. i saw everything before there i was for the, uh, there for the pre-show and everything yeah i saw I nothing of the pre-show because i was working so i will take those two first then I will take AJ Styles versus Finn Balor, which was a fantastic freaking matchup. Um, almost match of the night, in my opinion. That one was produced by Jason Jordan. Really? Yes. That is interesting. Jason wow. Jordan. Wow. Good job, sir. Good job. So then we that move was a on. Match where I felt that Dominic wasn't quite nearly as useless as he usually is. Right, mm -hmm. right. Dom Dom is useless. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now the women's war games matchup, which actually started, it opened up the program, opened up the show, was Team Damage Control versus Team Bel Air. It was produced by two people, and one of them was a surprise to me because I didn't know that this person was still with the company. The first name that I remembered was Tyson Kidd. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Right? <laughs> the second name that surprised me was Petey Williams. So that's where he was. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I legitimately had no idea. I had no idea that he was working there still. I'm happy. I'm happy for him. Mm -hmm, yeah. And it, it almost kind of shows, right? Because Petey Williams was kind of that, 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 that kind of flyer flippy dippy type of, you know, but still a real grounded pound type of competitor. So mm -hmm. for him to kind of produce that Tyson kid being a very, uh, very tight mat technician, Mm -hmm. kind of really came through in that matchup and it's uh see i just i love finding out who who produced them because you can always kind of go back and see the influences of mm -hmm. these producers yeah. in the matchups right yeah yeah so there was the first two matchups the worst matchup of the freaking nights <laughs> We'll get to this here first. So Alex comes in. He says, I'm a total noob when it comes to wrestling. First, I'm super impressed with the knowledge you guys have. Thank you. Second, when you say produce, I can understand that much. 
but are there producers that are sought after like a Hollywood producer? Yes. Yes, there definitely is. Um, producers and production within professional wrestling is across the entire board with the large companies when it comes to independent companies not so much they kind of really uh, the the promoters really allow the uh, wrestlers to kind of talk things out and figure things out for themselves with a little bit of influence from the promoter themselves uh, when it comes to these larger shows because it's on such a big scale they the promoter doesn't have time to sit down with everyone and say okay now this how's things gonna go please tell me talk to me whatever right so that's where they kind of bring in the producers and um some of the best producers have worked with all the companies and have actually worked inside the professional wrestling ring much like music producers who are musicians or you know movie producers who have been actors and and one of the biggest names for me anyways that i take from that is ron howard <laughs> right so do you have anything to add to that no no that that was a perfect explanation i think <laughs> okay <laughs> i do my best i do my best good job sir. good job so the matchup of the night that for myself was the biggest letdown was the um, SmackDown Women's Championship matchup. Ronda Rousey taking on Shotzi. Mm. This was produced by Jason Jordan and Brian Kendrick. Uh, I can see the influence there, yeah. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So before we move on, was that Kojima? Yeah, he got a sweet. Uh, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. He found a dumpling. <laughs> so Brian Kendrick, the former cruiserweight champion, actually returned to the WWE this Saturday in this in this backstage role at the request of Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey got trained and had training from Brian Kendrick. Ah. Uh. So that's where that influence comes in. Now, he has not been hired full time. To my understanding right now, he has been hired simply for that matchup. That's it. Okay. And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. He definitely is good, um, but there is some controversy when it comes to Brian Kendrick and very much so surrounding him with just different things that he has said over the years. Um, Brian Kendrick can be a very large conspiracy theorist with, um, you know, ideals with the Illuminati and world control and powers, lizard people that potentially exist um skull and bones as asthmatic theories about jewish doctors stealing body parts and his mind is out there maybe he's thinking you know like 3020 i don't know but we're still living in like 2022 right now so i mean yeah yeah i mean lizard people is a bit of a stretch for me, but then again, I mean, you and I could pair a mindful. We know there's a lot of cryptids out there. So, hmm. I don't know. It, there's some things that, you know, there's, I'm under the impression that if there's an idea that comes forth, like an idea for a movie or something, that idea came from a fraction of truth somewhere along the lines. You just got to figure out what part of the truth that is. So, right. I don't know, but like to, I also think that like a lot of stuff outside of professional wrestling shouldn't affect inside professional wrestling. So I, I agree. So it's, it's like, it's a slippery slope for me. Cause it's like, who do you piss off in this one? <laughs> Cause I'm like, nah. like as long as his ideals are not having a negative impact on the people around him or the product. Oh yeah. Or the product. Like, if you have to say, oh, he's this, he's a conspiracy theorist as a way to 
make him look bad, I, I don't I don't think that's something that's you can stand on really. I don't think so either. I really don't. Bobby, um I've put in an application several times and they still haven't accepted mine either. And I have given them very good detailed uh, reports of different things. I have used my verbiage to my advantage and I still have not been added in. Uh, Alex, yeah, um, the cars are always going by. They stop, they're sitting there for about 20 minutes. They'll move on. Um, they're always a black vehicle. There's sometimes a Cadillac, sometimes a Lincoln. Uh, once there was a Bugatti in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, which parked outside front, which was really weird to me because it was a Bugatti, which I've never seen one here before. Maybe they were the rich ones. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Uh, that's because you're talking about them on social media. That's that's very true. Carl, that's how much danger did true. you just put me in? You're not in any danger. All I have to protect me. This is not doing much. You're perfectly fine. They don't know who you are. Uh, Bobby, I agree with that. It says maybe we should start our own club with booze and blackjack. Uh, forget the blackjack. Yeah. Forget the blackjack. Just give us the booze. <laughs> Only if we use Dr. Pepper as a mixer. That's right. 100%. As long as there is Jaeger and Dr. Pepper, I'm good. I'm good. So to finish out the show, there's only two matches that were left here. We had Austin Theory versus Bobby Lashley versus Seth Rollins, which was produced by Adam Pierce. Oh, interesting. Right? Which I think was one of the best matches of the night was that three-way matchup. And then the last one, the Bloodline versus the Brawling Brutes in War Games to close out the show was produced by Shane Helms. Yes, the Hurricane himself, Shane Helms, and WWE Hall of Famer Michael Hayes. Interesting. I have. I don't. I did not see this one. I think I, I pieced out right before this one started because I did see the Lashley, um, Rollins, Theory one. Um, right. From the clips that I've seen, I could I could see Pearson and Hayes on that. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. I definitely can too. And I like I said, I just I always really find it very very interesting to see who produce them afterwards and i like that we do get to see this i don't get to see it from any other company except the wwe right now but i think it's absolutely fantastic we're going to touch on war games in just a few moments here we're going to go through the winners the losers and the times of the matchups themselves but first we need to get paid by them sponsors so let's take a few moments with some quick commercials promotional consideration paid for by the following wrestling a love and a passion we all share i've started a wrestling brand the wrestling brand a brand founded on the aspects of wrestling two entities working together to create a product that connect emotionally for people everywhere collar and elbow is the brand passion and love for wrestling is the drive I am Al Snow, and this is Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. The official Turnbuckle Studio shop is open. Official merchandise from all the favorite shows, plus merchandise you can only find here. Stuff from Turnbuckle Studios. Carl Carafel unboxes. The Boar's Nest with Bubba Duke. Miscellaneous products that you can only find here. Beats and Beat Downs. And Turnbuckle Talk. Find all this merchandise exclusively 
at carlcarafel.redbubble.com. And let's take a look right now at what is coming up this week with our local establishment. As you are hearing right now, turn Buckle Talk, Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. Taking over, happening at 1010 tonight as well, November the 29th. Beats and Beatdowns comes to you Wednesday. Check the socials to find when it drops. Fusioned is happening Thursday, December 1st. Melball Mix is happening Friday, December the 2nd. And we start the week off right with Busting Out on Sunday, December the 4th. My name is Carl Carafel, and I am joined alongside Mel Ball Collins for this edition of Turnbuckle Talk. I love that Mel Ball Mix was in there. <laughs> well, of course it would be in there. Why wouldn't it be? Oh, because it ladies. It is just a, a social special that I do where I just try some alcohol and review it. But yeah, it's it's been an interesting one. The first one was Moonshine. It was maybe a little little bit much of a reach for me. <laughs> now, I know that you have different Moonshines that are there in the tiny mason jars. What flavor did you try this time and what flavors do you have coming up? So this one, I tried the Saskatoon berry one, which I thought was going to be amazing because this is a local fruit. I love Saskatoon berries. There was no berry. That was <laughs> all gas. <laughs> um, I still have uh, the apple pie as well as the pink lemonade, which is the one I am most excited to try as lemonade is my absolute favorite drink. There we go. Be on the lookout for that. I'm sure it is definitely going to be coming out soon. We'll have to do it when I have a few days to recover because man, oh man. <laughs> Got to give this shout out to our good buddy, Joe, Joe Morin, corporate Joe, mighty Joe, big Joe, whatever Joe you want to call him. He is on his last break at work and he is in here with us as well. Bobby, yes. Whoa, Saskatoon Berry. Now we're talking, right? Right? Again, there was no berry. There was no berry. <laughs> The berry made it colorful. <laughs> yeah, that's probably about it. Yeah. <laughs> Astrid is loving seeing the ladies take over. Yes, the ladies are very much so showcased here on our local establishment. We right. do not push them aside because they are the ones that help with everything, whether it's in the background or the foreground, and they need to be showcased just as much as everybody else. <laughs> I appreciate that, Carl. Well, it's true. I'm not, uh, I'm not, no one puts you know, spitting any bullshit here. This is all very true. Baby goes in the corner. The women don't. <laughs> so this war games, premium live event only had five matches to it roughly turned out to be about a three hour show a little over three hours it did not feel like three hours it felt like it was only an hour had gone by we're gonna go through this super quick give you the winners and give you the times for the matches so Team Bel Air defeated Team Damage Control to start out the show in the Women's War Games matchup with a time of 39 minutes and 40 seconds. This matchup really, really set the tone for the entire show. My only, how would I say it? Um... The only thing that I did not like about this was that 
all of the merchandise that was inside of the ring from the tables to the trash cans to the kendo sticks to the cage itself the amount of times that people were thrown into all of this different shit we didn't really see any damages or anybody come out hurt and bloody mm -hmm. which surprised me yeah you know what that now that you mention it that does kind of surprise me um because the amount of times people got thrown in, into the cage especially um I, I would have expected someone to to get cut fairly quickly um right yeah it, i i did enjoy the clip that i saw of um eo being uh, carried out by Rhea though afterwards <laughs> right um uh, that was a, a nice little touch but yeah now that you mentioned it um, there was a lot of physical stuff going on there where I, I do notice there wasn't a whole lot of injury. I mean, good good for them because we don't wish injury upon them. Right. But yeah, in a hardcore setting, you do expect somebody to at least get a split lip from something or a sliver or, you know, a nosebleed. A or bloody something. nose, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and it was very suspect to me, I think, that because I don't remember seeing anyone with any of that. I don't either. Not at all. Joe says, interesting that the show was that short. Typically, Survivor Series are always a longer show. Yeah, no, you're, you're definitely right. And I mean, it was it was a little over three hours. So it was, you know, kind of kind of long. Um, but not super long at the same time. Right. And that I think that that was uh, that was one of the good takeaways from it is that we really got everything out we really got stories being told throughout this entire show but it didn't have to be a 16 hour show for this to happen we got it all done within like a three hour ish period of time mm -hmm. next matchup we had was aj styles defeating finn balor in a singles matchup and yes we did actually see a little bit of interjection from the oc and the judgment day but in the grand scheme of things we really did get essentially a one-on-one -on -one matchup that really happened here in 18 minutes and 25 seconds what do you remember from that matchup besides finn balor's no dick <laughs> I definitely remember AJ Styles having the most luxurious hair in the WWE now, <laughs> defeating Roman Reigns for that title, which he has held on to for such a long time. Right. Um, but um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of both of these guys. I remember this match being very, very fast paced. Um, and what I do remember is, I, as you had mentioned with the outside interference, I, I liked that it was there. I also liked that it wasn't the highlight of the match. Um, sometimes New Japan, especially with like House of Torture or something, they like to highlight that kind of interference. In this, it was a nice kind of change because I've been dealing with a lot of House of Torture interference. And what was nice about it is that they actually allowed for things to um, just naturally flow, it mm -hmm. seemed like, which was really really nice mm -hmm. joe does have a very interesting point here he says like wrestlemania i'll be curious on how long each day will be those have been painful to sit through the last few years mm -hmm. now that we've got triple h at the helm and in control i think we are we're still going to get the two-day wrestlemanias but i think that they are still going to be the same amount of time but not feel like the same amount of time if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Was the was the helm pun intended? Yes, it was. <laughs> dig it, dig it. The worst matchup of the night only lasted, thankfully, thank Jeebus, seven minutes <laughs> and 15 seconds. That was oh, wow. Ronda Rousey defeating Shotzi Blackheart or Shotzi by submission which we all knew was going to happen. There was no, unfortunately no way that Shotzi was taking the SmackDown women's championship off of Ronda Rousey. Seemed like a throwaway. Seemed like just a bullshit. Let's put this out so that we have Ronda Rousey in a matchup so that she can get her payday. Um, mm -hmm. 
yeah, that was, that's, that's, I'm leaving it at that. I can't even talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt that the only thing kind of good in this was how they looked. <laughs> and by they, I just mean Shotzi. <laughs> right. Looked like Ronda right. Rousey had smeared something across her face. Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> As yes. a girl, I appreciate the attempt. I will say that. I appreciate the attempt at uniqueness and individuality. Was it my style? No, but that's okay. I have hooded lids. I can't do eyeliner out to my hairline. <laughs> it was not the style for a lot of people. There is a lot of talk on the Twitter box. Um, raccoon eyes had a unibrow. <laughs> is the way that i am <laughs> putting it oh dear <laughs> uh, does i got to see uh, uh, joe's got some interesting comments here uh and i think it means <laughs> let's put this up first yep. yep just like mel can't math joe can't type <laughs> those are hard facts <laughs> I think what Joe is meaning is, does anyone even give a shit about Rhonda anymore? I just never found her style to be believable. I got you, my brother. I got you. I know. I know. <laughs> and I mean, for, for myself, there is a hashtag going around right now on the Twitter box. Uh, hashtag fire Rhonda Rousey. Mm. It's being used quite a bit. Mm, people angry. 14 minutes and 50 seconds was the second best matchup in my mind for this show. Austin Theory versus Seth freaking Rollins versus Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship with Austin Theory winning the United States Championship back. Very interesting turn of events, and I did not expect it. I kind of did, but I didn't expect it, to be honest with you. Uh, Bobby, baddest woman on the planet should be renamed blandest woman on the planet. I fully agree. And the uh, fake MMA wrestling style just doesn't resonate with Joe. You did not get to see, or you did get to see this matchup, right? Yes. Okay. And what were your thoughts on that matchup? It's, it's going to take a while for me to take theory seriously. Um, mm -hmm. Just, yeah, but I, I honestly, I wasn't expecting theory to kind of take this one. I, I was honestly expecting um, Rollins um, just because of, of the, the popularity he has right now. And I, I don't really know what, like, I don't watch WWE regularly. I don't know what views he's kind of going into right now. So I kind of felt it kind of would make sense to kind of give him something like that, especially with Becky now back and, and right. going into her own feuds now. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely thought it would kind of give him a reason to kind of stick around. Um, but it does kind of set up an opportunity to have um, Theory and, and Rollins going one-on-one, -on -one, which I think I would prefer. Um, not to take anything away from Lashley, especially like recently, I feel he's gotten a lot better in his in-ring in stuff. In his first round with the WWE, I was not impressed with him. I, I, I didn't really find him to be very interesting. Right. And when he first came back, I was still felt like he was the same, but the last year especially, I've noticed a, a huge um, kind of in, go up from here for him. So, right. yeah. Um, Black Lesnar yeah. is on the rise. <laughs> That's a good name for him, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, about as much acting and like charisma on Mike. Yeah. <laughs> right. I love Brock Lesnar though. I'm a, I'm a Brock Lesnar fan, and I have been since he first came in. He's got better with being able to hold his own on Mike, especially since losing Heyman to to Roman Reigns there. So like, I've started to appreciate seeing him come around a lot more um, when he does. Right seem to come around <laughs> before I was very aggravated about it be like come on man there's other people working really hard when you're not here like there's no reason yeah. why you need that spot um but now I I am starting to understand it a, a lot more especially like 
Yeah, especially with with how where where and how he is in his career right now. Exactly. Last matchup of the night was a fantastic matchup in its own as well. The storytelling within this was absolutely perfect. We are talking the bloodline, Roman Reigns, Solo Sakea, the Usos, Jimmy and Jay, with Sami Zayn taking on the Brawling Brutes, being Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch, with Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens. It is only 38 minutes and 30 seconds. Find this matchup and watch it, because this is beautiful male soap opera storytelling at its damn finest. Dang it, I left at the wrong time. You'll have to take a look. I'm sure it'll, it's going to be out there somewhere for you. Um, yeah, yeah. Like one of the best matchups that I have seen in such a long time because it elicited so much emotion out of not only the crowd, but the viewers to continue to pull me back to watch the WWE product. I'm excited again for the WWE and it's because of things like this that have been going on lately. The bloodline did win this matchup. I'm not going to tell you how you need to go and watch it. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. The only uh, thing I have uh, that's standing out to me is there was some kind of little stomp thing that Sammy was doing on someone in between um, in, in between the two rings where he was holding onto the ropes and just... And it was it made me very happy because there's a, a lady wrestler in stardom, Kaguma, who does the exact same thing. She pretends she's a bear. And, and that's one nice. of her moves. So I was just like... I see that. I see you. I feel that. I respect that. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Love it. Overall, Survivor Series War Games, an absolute hit. Out of the park. Fantastic. And I am so happy that we are going into such a direction underneath the regime of Triple H right now. The seats for this essentially turned out to be 15,609 tickets that were out there um 13,042 paid seats with uh there were like only 42 tickets or 40 tickets that were actually still available before the event started um turns out they did sell out though so yeah i'm very excited about the direction that things are going here there's so much to be thankful for and so much great things within the world of professional wrestling right now this is the time where i turn it over to you mel because i know that you have some amazing things that you do as well when it comes to the japanese side of professional wrestling i want you to tell everyone where they can find that stuff and when you may be putting out some new content for that. Oh, for sure. So um, you can find me on YouTube at uh, Andre Melville's Wrestling Talk. Uh, we are uploading because there is uh, three major uh, tag league tournaments happening in Japan right now. We are actually uploading uh, two to three times a week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, um, all at 8 a.m. And then um, those are going to be our full features. Our shorts will be released um, of those full features throughout the week. And my cat is doing my harmony for me right now. <laughs> um, yeah, um, otherwise, um, that's where, where you can find all of our wrestling. We do that on NJPW and Stardom. And uh, we've been getting a lot of traction on those guys, doing very well over there, having a lot of fun watching these tournaments and enjoying tacos being a part of the show now. What? Yeah, I got your interest, didn't you? Yeah. Talk about food. <laughs> this fat man likes food. Tacos and tacos are, are one of the good ones, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a wrestler named Alex Zane. He really likes tacos. All of his moves are named after Taco Bell um, menu items, like the Baja Blast and the sauce. And his cinnamon twist is one of his finish. Very, very amazing talent. 
And again, Andre and Marvel's wrestling talk, we talk about him all the time. You guys did see the clip there as I voiced over for it, letting you know what is coming up this week. Make sure that you're sticking with all of the socials for our local establishment. You are not going to want to miss any of the action that is coming up, especially, like we said, 10-10 tonight is going to be taking over. You want to stick around for that. Make sure you check that out. Astrid and Ed are going to be back together once again for another edition of that. So much great content coming out this week. And yeah, I'm just, I'm super excited for everything that's been going on. Mel and myself, as well as Alex, werewolf there that we talked about earlier, have a little show as well called Paramindful, where we talk, what is it? All things spooky, ooky ish. There we go. (laughs) And our next episode is actually going to be dropping uh, next Monday at uh, 5 p.m. We've got a fun one uh, coming up there. I'm not going to try to butcher the the name again, right? Hoyabashu. That's how that's how I remembered it. Hoya Boyshu. So Carl. That was that was the only way I could remember it. Oh goodness. So oh, that yeah. one is definitely coming up. We just had one drop as well. Um, Monday. What would, Monday, yeah. Monday yes, on the yesterday. Uh, special, yes, our um, Mothman special debuted on OLE YouTube yesterday. There is so, see, there is just so much, so much going on that I, like, I lose track of it sometimes. I definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you are so welcome, Alex. You are so <laughs> welcome. And... In the show, just edited, just a random. <laughs> there you go. If you know how to use the uh, the Twitch, there, go ahead and clip it. Somebody, somebody, <laughs> clip it. Send it. Send it to us so that we can we can we'll use that at some point. I'm sure. That's our advertisement for Paramount. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for Melball Collins. <laughs> And for myself, Carl Carafel, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode of Turnbuckle Talk. Remember, everyone, the world's a scary place, so take care of each other. <laughs>